Amen. Thank you so much for standing, for singing. You may be seated. Um, our pastor is out. If you haven't noticed, he is out this this week. He's away at a conference getting refreshed and refueled. And so if you would pray for our pastor that that, that would be so, so that when he returns to us, uh, that he's ready to go. And uh, aren't you thankful for our pastor this morning? Amen. We're so thankful. I, I've gotten to work alongside of him uh, for five and a half years when I was here on staff here at Redwood. And I got to see day in and day out just how much he loves you, how much he loves God's word. And um, I know uh, me and him are, are two different types of people. And we would admit it. I'm uh, different in that I am more of the creative and spontaneous and fly by my seat. And Pastor Ryan is definitely the more meticulous, detailed he will be in his prayer and Bible study like nobody's business three months out knowing already what God wants to do. And so I'm so thankful for Pastor Ryan and his family. And so if you would, just keep them in prayer. Uh, if you would, take your Bibles, turn to Second Peter. That's where we'll be here this morning. Second Peter chapter number one. Second Peter chapter number one. If you're a first time guest with us, I would like to say welcome to our church. And we are so glad that you have joined us for worship. Uh, we do have in the back a gift for you. It's a book from Carrie Schmidt called Done. Uh, and we believe it's a blessing. And inside there as well will be a letter of welcome and greeting from our pastor. And so if you're a first time guest, it's in the back there to my right. And if you make your way out this morning, please grab that as our gift saying thank you for spending a day here at Redwood with us. And also, if you need to give uh, for offering, it is in the back towards the right as well. Uh, so envelopes are right there. And we want to say thank you for your continual giving as it helps us as a church to continue to do what we do, uh, to love our community and to uh, furnish here our flock and our believers, our body here. So... Second Peter chapter number one. But before we get into Second Peter chapter one, uh, I, I would like to um, put out a slogan. I'm going to say the slogan, right? This is the way to get into the message. And then I want to know who knows the company or the product that, that it belongs to. So you can shout it out, right? Um, so here goes the slogan. I'm loving it. Anybody? McDonald's. Okay. Have it your way. Burger King, there we go. Um, just do it. Nike. Nike, all right. And then here's the one that we're going to focus on today. I don't know if you guys are going to get this one. Watch it grow. Watch it grow. You might know the song of the, of the company or the, of the product, okay? So when, once you figure out the product, we'll do, we'll do the song together. Chia Pet. All right, everybody, let's do the song. Ready? One, two, three. Cha-cha-cha-chia. Okay? That's the song. Okay? But watch it grow is the slogan for Chia Pet. Raise your hand if you have a Chia Pet or you had one growing up. Yes, yes. Okay. Raise your hand if you still have one. No. But you can get them. They're more novelty now. Uh, so Chia Pet, watch it grow, right? Um, I used to think Chia Pets were so cool. Uh, they had so many different types of Chia Pets. Uh, and fun fact, the first ever Chia Pet made was actually a Chia guy, okay? It was a human, right? Uh, it was a terracotta sculpture of a man's head, which was created in 1977, and the product put Chia Pet on the map. But however, uh, the ram-shaped Chia Pet was actually the first Chia Pet to be released in 1982. And later, the company would introduce you know, kittens, puppies, frogs, pigs, and other shapes. And then now there's like, they're way out there now. Like you can get any kind of Chia Pet you want, right? You can get a WD-40 Chia Pet. You can get any type of Chia Pet you want. Um, and so 
With that slogan in mind, watch it grow. Uh, let's look here at Second Peter chapter number one. 2 Peter chapter number one. The Bible says this, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have attained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence or supplement or add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. So with that slogan in mind, watch it grow. This morning, uh, I would like to bring a message entitled, A Growing Faith. A Growing Faith. I was going to call it Chia Pet Christians, but I was like, no, no, no. Let's, let's just keep it to a growing faith, okay? Because I don't want you going out here thinking you're a Chia Pet. So, a growing faith. See, God wants each and every one of us to grow spiritually. God wants our faith to be expanded. God wants our faith to mature God wants us to have a growing faith. He wants us to ultimately be conformed to the image of Jesus, and that's the end-all, be-all. Now, when we talk about spiritual growth this morning, we are going to tie three words that I believe are important when it comes to growing in our faith. These will also be our points for the message, so if you're taking notes, uh, they will also be up on the screen. But these three points are here. Number one, identity. Number two, addition. And number three, confidence. Now, there are two things that before we get into this that we must consider when it comes to spiritual growth or growing in our faith. Number one is this. Spiritual growth and physical age are not the same. Physical age and spiritual growth are not the same. And what I mean by that is you can be 60 years old, but it doesn't mean you've grown mature and spiritual in your, in your faith. You can be a 21-year-old and have grown immensely in your faith. So just because you're older doesn't mean that you have grown. And just because you're younger doesn't mean you can't grow. Okay. And so the second thing too is to remember this, how much you want to grow is really up to you. How much you want to grow is really up to you. See, God will not force you to grow. Even though it is his desire for you to grow in your faith, that is his plan, but he will not force you. Now with those things in mind, we find Peter addressing the same group of Christians that he did in the book of 1 Peter. See, in 1 Peter, he warns them about incoming persecution and encourages them to trust the Lord. But in 2 Peter, he begins to write to them about incoming deception from within. 
Simon Peter begins to warn the Christians of false teachers and false doctrines. And in the first chapter, he encourages the believers to grow in their faith and to continue to be more like Jesus. And as I said before, our faith was made to grow. So here's some questions before we get into it. Is your faith growing this morning? Are you allowing your faith to grow? So as we look here, let's look at three factors when it comes to growing our faith. Number one, a growing faith begins, as I said, with identity. Identity. We find Peter opening up this letter by identifying the commonality of their identity in Jesus. Look at verse 1 again. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, our identity is where we begin to grow. It begins by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins by having that foundation of salvation, accepting the gospel. It's about being born again. This is where it all starts. So this morning, it would be cavalier of me to assume that everybody in this room is saved this morning. That's why each and every single week there is a presentation of the gospel in our messages. Why? Because we don't know each and every heart, but we want to make sure that each and every heart is availed to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that at any opportunity, at any moment, you can surrender in faith to the Lord. And yet this is where growing faith begins. It begins in trusting Jesus as your personal savior. See, the Bible says if you repent of your sins and turn to Jesus and believe that Jesus and the Son of God, you will be saved. Now, Peter does this because our identity in Jesus is so crucial for our everyday life. Our identity in Jesus is the foundation for growth and maturity. And so let's break these verses down once again when it comes to identity. Verse 1, Simon Peter was a servant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained a like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God <clears throat> and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, it is by the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ that we have right standing. The Bible says, He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Him. See, Jesus exchanged His righteousness for our sin so that we could stand before God righteous. See, that's an amazing gift. It's an amazing gift. It's called grace. It's called you didn't do anything to get that righteousness. Jesus decided, I'm going to give that righteousness to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I've been singing, preaching. Now I'm preaching again. So it's catching up to me. I think I needed to eat some of that quiche, okay? Did you have that quiche this morning? Raise your hand if you had quiche this morning. Kristen, delicious. And then I know, Richard, you brought those bagels. Awesome. And then Sandy, you, uh, what was that that you put out on the plate? Spice cake. Man, I didn't even get to eat any of that stuff, so, but I will afterwards. So, but anyways, <clears throat> we, what we find here is, is that he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. A growing faith begins with identity. 
So now that we have attained faith, now we have an identity because of Jesus' righteousness imputed to us. Verse number two says this, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our Jesus, and of Jesus our Lord. See, grace and peace are in abundance as we desire to know more of God and who he is and how he works. And in return, when we know more of God, when we know more of Jesus, we will actually know more of who we are in him. That's why it is important that the basics of our faith not, be not neglected. Prayer and Bible reading are so important. They're so crucial to understanding our God, to knowing him, to solidify and to, uh, and, and to build even that much more of a confidence in our identity. Verse 3 says this, according to his divine power, he hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We find here that through his divine power, we have been given all things to live godly as he calls us to glory and virtue. And then verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. So what is that? What has God promised to us? Here's some things, eternity and his family, an end to our suffering, transformation by the power of his Holy Spirit, purpose and meaning forever. See, these promises of God are such great value that merely possessing them has already given us the right to participate in the divine nature. So with all these combined, what Peter is saying is you have been given righteousness of Jesus Christ. And by knowing him, you will understand by his power that you have been given all you need to live godly as you've been called to glory and virtue because you have been given that precious promise that you are a child of God. A child of God. May we as a body be proud of that title, proud of that name given to us, that we are children of God. <clears throat> I have a problem when, when, when I hear people say that we are all the children of God. Uh, and that is biblically incorrect when the Bible says that we all have been created in the image of God, but the, being a child of God is different. Because to be a child of God, you have to have that, that identity. To have that identity, you have to be born again. You have to surrender to him. So a growing faith begins with identity. Do we know who we are in Jesus? And that's the key. The key is identity. So we start with a growing faith begins with identity. Number two, a growing faith continues with addition. Addition. Raise your hand if you're good at math. No, 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 no. Um, when I took math... I had to be really good friends with the teacher, okay? So me and the teacher were great, we were good friends, and that's the reason how I passed math, okay? It wasn't by any of my mental intellect or anything like that. It was, hey, I'm a nice guy, hey, here's an apple, here's some coffee, and by that I was able to pass math, okay? I am terrible with all of that stuff, right? Uh, but when it comes to growing our faith, we need addition, okay? So I want to write this down, write this down if you're taking notes. Spiritual growth is never accidental, but it's always intentional. It's never accidental. It's always intentional. As I said before, you're going to grow as much as you want to grow. There's a purpose there. You have to have the purpose to want to grow. It's never accidental. And yet Peter says, besides this, giving all diligence. Diligence means to give careful and persistent work or effort or being aware. 
Peter moves us from our salvation, right? Our identity in Jesus. He moves us from there to now our sanctification in Jesus, okay? He moves us uh, from the settled in Jesus now to the growing in Jesus. A growing faith does take effort. And as I said before, God wants our faith to grow. A growing faith will continue with addition. So let's read verses 5 right here. Verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add, or another word is supplement or uh, contribute to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the first four verses of this chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter gives us what I like to call the done part. Not the christener will done, but the done part, the D-O-N-E, okay? The done part. And what I mean by that is if you read throughout Scripture, you will find a certain gospel pattern, which is this. You will find that before God ever asks you to do, he will always show you what has been what? Done. And that's crucial. Identity. So, before you are asked to do, God shows you what has been done. And look what I have done for you. Here is your identity. This is what Peter is saying to them. It is this proper pattern that keeps us from trying to earn what has already been secured for us, which takes away our true motivation for him. We live for Jesus not because of what we do for him. We, we don't live for Jesus because of what we could do for him. We live for Jesus because of what he has done for us. Okay, That's why your identity is important. And when you understand that, <clears throat> what God has done for you and for me, our response is not of guilt, is not of shame. Our response is of gratitude in free will abandonment and thanks to Jesus. That's what's going to motivate you to want to add to your faith. That's what's going to motivate you to want to grow in your faith is because what Jesus has so freely secured for you, you never had to work for. The righteousness that he has given to you, you didn't have to work for. The, uh, the, 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 uh, the seat in heaven for you, you didn't have to work for. The seat at the table of the family, you didn't have to work for. You didn't have to go on to Facebook and give God a friend request and hopefully he will, he will accept it. No, Jesus already secured for you and for me by by grace, we didn't have to work for that. And what that does, it doesn't bring shame or guilt to say, oh man, I got to serve God now. Or I got to live for God. No, what that does is say, man, thank you, God, for giving me a seat at the table that I did not earn, but now may, me, may I live my life out of gratitude, out of wholehearted thankfulness because of your grace to me. See, we must avail ourselves of these qualities the ones that we just read in, uh, in Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Now, these qualities are not by themselves, but they're actually linked together, okay? We cannot have one without the other. We cannot uh, choose one and leave the other and like the other and love the one and hate the other. So when Peter says to add the words, uh, the word add means to furnish, to contribute, to supply, to aid. And so our faith needs to be aided and contributed to so that it grows so let's define these graces Peter encourages us to add to our faith. Number one, virtue. What do we mean by virtue? What we mean by that is moral excellence. 
See, he has called us to walk uprightly. And as we walk uprightly, we apply the word of God to our lives, which helps us to walk uprightly. Number two is, is knowledge, a deeper understanding of who God is. We are called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That says Second Peter 3.18. But we're not just growing in knowledge just to gain knowledge, because what does the Bible say? Knowledge puffeth up, right? And so we're, we're, we're growing in knowledge to know more of who God is. Number three, temperance, or in other words, self-control. Raise your hand if you need this. <laughs> I need this one bad. So, especially when it comes to my stomach and being hungry. Um, I need that self-control. And so temperance means self-control in all aspects of our life, in our speech and thoughts and conducts and all things. And then there's patience which means endurance under trials. This is a steadfastness that endures suffering and withstands temptation, whether it be from the opposition of the world or the direct assault from our enemy, Satan. Then there's godliness, which means to be devout or God-fearing, godly character out of devotion for God. Brotherly kindness. This means to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and to also extend kindness to those around us. I grew up in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, the city, is known for the city of what? Brotherly what? No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not brotherly kindness. It's brotherly shove, okay? Uh, it's, not, it's not Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia, okay? So if you grew up there, it's, it is not the city of brotherly love, okay? But brotherly kindness, that, that, that is what we are to add to our faith. And seven, charity, which is love. And the love described here is agape love, an unconditional love two and four, everyone. See, these, these qualities, they, they go hand in hand with one another. You cannot have one without the other. Uh, if you think about it, they're like those uh, Russian nesting dolls, right? Uh, you start with faith, and then with, you open it up, and then within there is, is virtue, and then in there is knowledge, and then in there is temperance. They all go together. All of these grace, all of these qualities, they're temper, they temper and make perfect the grace that goes before it. And so when we add virtue, we add knowledge. And to knowledge, we add temperance, and so forth and so on. And these qualities need each other. And we need these qualities so that to come alongside our faith uh, for them to grow. Now, Peter says this isn't important to add to your faith because there's two things that can happen. If we choose to grow in our faith, there's a result. It will lead to effectiveness and fruitfulness a life of godliness. If we choose to neglect our faith, it will lead to barrenness and ineffectiveness. It's the opposite. We lose out on being used greatly with our lives and we short-circuit our path to godliness. And then Peter also says this, that when we don't add to our faith these graces, we, come, we can become blind and forgetful that we are even changed. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know, there, there are some Christians who really struggle with their salvation. They really struggle whether or not they don't know if they're saved or not. And most times they are genuinely, completely saved, wholeheartedly given their life over to Jesus, but what happens sometimes is they leave their faith at the beginning and don't realize that it needs to grow. 
And what happens is, is there's not a constant cultivation of your faith, of growing. What's going to happen is, as Peter says, you begin to become blind. You don't really believe that you're saved because what happens is, is you're beginning to forget the change and identity you have in Jesus. That's why it is important for us to continue to grow our faith. Here's the thing. It's not that you're not saved. It's that you don't feel like you're saved sometimes. And some of that can be because you're not allowing your faith to grow. See, a growing faith continues with addition. Supplement your faith. Make an effort to cultivate your faith. Surrender in the Holy Spirit inside of you to bring this fruitfulness in your life. I love this quote by J.C. Riley. He said this, Gradual growth in grace, growth in knowledge, growth in faith, growth in love, growth in holiness, growth in humility, growth in spiritual mindedness. All this I see clearly taught and urged in Scripture and clearly exemplified in the lives of many of God's saints. But sudden, instantaneous leaps from conversion to consecration, I fail to see in the Bible. What he was saying there is, it's just going to take time. So pursue it. Don't get discouraged just because you haven't grown leaps and bounds yet. It's a continual thing. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. It's called your Christian life. And praise God that with the first point, the identity, man, Jesus makes a huge difference in living this Christian life, doesn't he? And so, don't be discouraged this morning. If you're like, man, I haven't grown at all. Well, guess what? You can start, this, start today. You can start this morning. It's a gradual thing. And lastly here this morning, a growing faith produces confidence. Confidence. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. What Peter is saying here is not this. Do these things and you'll, you'll stay saved. Do these things and you'll stay saved. That's not what he's saying. Because if he was saying that, guess what? That's not the gospel. The gospel is not do this and this. No, the gospel is what Jesus has done for you. Accept it. Okay? So what Peter is actually saying here this morning is that <clears throat> since you are saved, the addition of these Christian qualities over time is the natural outgrowth of the divine nature that you partake in. So what Jesus has done in you, these things will grow out of your faith. These things are going to be part of who you are. These aren't there to secure your seat in heaven. These are to show that you have already been saved. Remember the key is identity. Philippians 2.12 says this, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much and more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is saying work out not work for. Work out what you have already been given. You're not working for what you're trying to get. You already have salvation. You already have favor. You already have grace. You have, you have it all. You're at the seats. You're at the table. You've got it all. So now live your life. Grow your faith according to what has been given. Precious promises. Divine nature. See, a growing faith will produce confidence in you to continue to live with abandonment for Jesus and yet many Christians struggle with their salvation or they struggle with living for God or they struggle with these is because 
They don't know who they are in Jesus. They don't understand who they are in Christ. They don't understand their identity, the freedom that there is, the cultivation of their faith, which leads to a blindness, which leads to an estrangement, a forgetfulness, and a lack of confidence in him. See, we can live the Christian life because Jesus lived it for us, and we live the Christian life in him. We can do different. We can create an environment of godliness. Why? Because because Jesus already lives in us. This is why it is important that we rest in what has been done and believe that we are his children. Allow identity to propel us into a growing faith. So let me ask you some questions here this morning as we close. How is your faith this morning? Are you growing? Are you stuck spiritually? I've been there before. See, God wants to grow in you a faith, but it starts with your identity. And then a growing faith continues with addition. And then a growing faith produces that confidence. You know, we are more than conquerors in Christ, right? We should be the ones probably the most confident. Why? Because we have a God of goodness and grace who is our king. And so this morning, a growing faith, a growing faith. We want to watch you grow, okay? We want to watch you grow. Cha-cha-cha-chia, okay? If you leave this morning, that's probably what you're going to hear, okay? But watch you grow, and God wants to watch your faith grow this morning. Man, we all have, a, uh, we all have our different times of growing, right? Remember, it's not a race. It's a gradual thing. It's a marathon. And here's the thing I want to encourage you to do. Encourage one another to grow right? That doesn't mean go over to Brother Mike and be like, hey man, I know your downsides and I know your sins, all right? You need to grow, okay? No. Just be encouraging. Love your brother. Love your sister. Encourage one another to grow and say, hey, I love you, man. I'm praying for you. Hey, is there anything I need to do for you? Hey, is there anything I can be a blessing to you, okay? Spiritual growth. We all need it. Faith growing. Let's pray. Father,